0: Here we go. Welcome to the Transform with Travel podcast, where we share stories of personal transformation and life lessons through our experiences of traveling and exploring the world. Travel is the ultimate accelerator for personal growth, and it can be the root catalyst for the pivots and plot twists we make in our lives. I'm your host, Kelly Toliday, and it's my mission to inspire you to live life to its fullest, travel with an open mind and heart, and let the world show you a new perspective. I'm so grateful you're here with us today. So let's dive right in. Happy exploring. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Transform with Travel podcast. I am your host, Kelly Toliday, and I'm so excited to be on the pod today to talk about our most recent trip to Southeast Asia. I'm going to have my husband, Sam, join us on the podcast soon to tell his side of the story with our trip and what it was really like traveling with two young kids all the way over to Southeast Asia. But for today, I just really wanted to go over what were some of my biggest lessons? What were some of my biggest tips that I can give? I recently did a podcast that aired back in January talking about my tips and tricks, mindset hacks, travel products, and how to make traveling with kids easier. We've done a bit of travel with our three and one-year-old already. Our three-year-old has been to, I believe, around seven or eight countries now, maybe even nine. I can't remember. And our youngest has been to about four now. And we've been all over the world. Of course, we just spent five weeks traveling through Southeast Asia. And my lessons have grown. My integration of what we went through has grown. And truly, when people have asked me how was the trip, I say it was an adventure. Because that's what it was. With any adventure, there comes highs and there comes lows. And it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows 24-7 in fact more often than not it's probably more challenging than it is just relaxing by the pool and reading a book especially with young kids so with that i think if you can reframe your trips as adventures even if it is a caribbean vacation and there's it's not you know hiking up mountains if you can reframe it in your mind that your family trip is an adventure then it comes with that idea of okay this might be a little might take a little bit of grit this might take a little more determination this might be a challenge but After every challenge that you go through, whether it's hiking a big mountain or going through something difficult in your life, when you come out the other side, you feel stronger at the end. And that's the way that we generally felt at the end of this trip when I asked my husband, you know, what have we learned? Like almost every day we asked ourselves, what have we learned today? What have we learned today? And at the end of this trip, we said, wow, we did this. This was really challenging. We had amazing, amazing life changing experiences. Our three year old will definitely. Remember certain parts of this trip, but it definitely came with its own challenges too. And so we said, wow, we did this. We made it. We are so proud of ourselves that we did it and that we even tried, that we attempted something like this. So, for background, for those who don't know, we spent five weeks through Southeast Asia. We spent about three or four days in Singapore. We spent a week in Malaysia in Sabah at Kota Kinabalu, which is the highest mountain peak in Southeast Asia. And then we went to Thailand for about three and a half weeks. So all up, we were away for five weeks. In the middle of that Thailand trip, I led a wellness retreat. So my husband and his parents, who we had met over in Malaysia for New Year's, they came back with us to Thailand while I ran the retreat to help with the kids. And then his parents went home after the retreat. And me and Sam and the girls got to spend an extra two, two and a half weeks on our own. Just going back to places that we've been before. So Sam and I used to live in Thailand. We were there in 2015 for a while. And then we went back in 2018. So none of these places were brand new, which at first I was bummed about when we were planning. I was like, I'm going to go somewhere new. But it actually was really nice going back to places that we've been before with the kids, especially somewhere so foreign because we felt a sense of safety knowing, okay, I know this was our favorite restaurant and I know where to go to get XYZ product. Like it just felt nice going back to places that we had been before. So that was our trip in a nutshell. And so I had written in my phone and I had a note section in my phone, all of these, as things popped up, as, as I started started to understand certain lessons, as I started to understand certain challenges, I would write them in my phone so that I could come back on the pod and be able to share what I learned. One of the biggest things with kids is everyone always says, when you travel with kids, lower your expectations. And I think in theory, that's really, it's good, of course. So lower your expectations. That's a very solid piece of advice. But when you're used to traveling in a certain way or when you're used to living at home and you haven't traveled with your kids yet, cognitively understanding, lower your expectations and actually putting that into practice are two different things. And so hopefully these lessons that I've learned over the last five weeks or continue to learn as I continue to travel with my children, hopefully these will help you be able to kind of understand what that means. So one of the biggest things that I can say with children, and I think I mentioned this on my previous podcast that I did earlier this year on traveling with kids, is do not pack your schedules tight. If you've traveled with your partner before, with friends before, and you had an 8 a.m. breakfast, and then a 9.30 hike, and then an 11.30, like, you had something every single hour because you as an adult can handle something like that. Actually, me, I can't handle that amount of pressure on an itinerary, but some people do more likely than not, you're not going to be able to keep up that pace with your children. And I really encourage you when you are traveling with your children to slow down your pace to their level. It's not something that we often let ourselves do when we're at home. We're constantly telling them, get your shoes on, get in the car, we got to go to school, then we've got ballet, then we've got dinner, and then I've got to get home and get... We're constantly pushing them at our pace. And when we travel, it could be a really great opportunity to learn what it means to move at their pace. And so what we do as a family is we really try to pick just one main activity or excursion a day. Oftentimes that just means one major excursion a week for us. If we were doing an elephant nature park excursion that week, we probably didn't do anything for 2 days before and 2 days after just cuz we know that we need our kids are really young and and that it's too much to try to pack in too many things. So we would generally pick like one active thing a day typically in the morning. So morning flows would kind of look like there'd be breakfast. And then either we would go down to the beach, or we'd go to the pool, or there'd be some sort of activity in the morning, we'd have lunch, our youngest still needs a day, a daytime nap. So she'd have a nap, we'd all get our rest time. And then in the afternoon, typically, we would do something a little slower, like maybe go to the kids club and let them play at the kids club or go back to the pool. So we try to balance it with an active part of the day and then a relaxing part of the day. And with that, as I mentioned, there's kind of this flow, especially when you're traveling a little more long term. You can definitely still get into a rhythm with a three or four day trip, but especially when you're going for a week, two weeks, three weeks plus, it's just the same way that kids thrive on routine at home. It's super important to find a flow that works for you and your family while you're traveling. So your kids generally know what's going to come next. And that helps a lot of that uncertain, anxious behavior that we see in children that tend to result in meltdowns and tantrums and just general upset behavior. So for us, as I mentioned, that routine, that flow, we really got into that. Really well as a family. So we would wake up, we had really slow mornings. So it would take us like an hour or an hour and a half just to get out of the room, which does not happen at home. At home, I'd be like slinging waffles in the back seat of the car while they have one shoe on while I'm trying to like wrap it up and get them to school as fast as possible. So that was really nice to have a really slow morning. We'd go to the breakfast buffet. Sometimes breakfast could take an hour, hour and a half, which as I mentioned, <laughs> The aforementioned frozen waffle getting flung out of the toaster as we're running out the door. Yeah, an hour and a half for breakfast doesn't happen at home. So that again, was really nice. Sam and I could both enjoy a cup of coffee. For me, two cups of coffee. The kids could go back and get their cereal from the breakfast buffet or whatever. And then we would have some sort of morning activity, typically like a swim or a beach. Or maybe we were going to a temple or something that morning. We'd come back for lunch. And then Indy would have her sleep. After Indy's sleep, we'd do something in the afternoon, more relaxed, more low-key. Maybe there's a market that might be like the big activity of the day. And then we would have dinner relatively around the same time. And they'd go to bed relatively around the same time. The only caveat is out of the 36 days, 37 days that we were traveling, we had nannies for seven of those days, not for the full day. So what Sam and I found was really nice was we loved doing the morning activities with the kids. Indy would sleep for two or three hours during the day. So we would have a nanny come to sit with Layla while she paints or watches her iPad while Indy sleeps. And then after Indy wakes up, the nanny would take them to the kids club or they'd go for a walk. And Sam and I would have a solid three or four hours to ourselves to go to the gym, to get a massage, to just read by the pool. And that was a really amazing way for us to be able to reset, get the kids at 4 or 5 p.m., go have dinner and do that. So we had that for a couple of the the days on our trip. And that was definitely some of the highlights for us was having that little bit of space. And so when you have a good rhythm, a good routine in your day, it's not so dysregulating for your kids to then have someone new like a nanny come in because they kind of know how the day is flowing. And so with that, I mentioned hiring nannies or babysitters in the previous episode that I've done before. In the In the meantime, since Airing that episode, going on this trip and coming home, I've had three people message me about finding vetted babysitters and how to find them. And my biggest piece of advice is if you're staying in a hotel, if you're staying in a nice hotel or a resort, typically they will have their own service or they have their own people who they outsource, but they're still considered like employees of the hotel. And that's my number one, my number one tip is go through the hotel because they have their own vetted people. It's people that they trust. Their hotel name is on this service. So that's what I can say. If you're staying in an Airbnb, then there are some like local websites that um, that people from that that country will run. Like I know in Ireland there's a babysitting service called LittleSitters.ie. We use them a lot. Or you can go into local Facebook groups. But I would highly recommend trying to find a very robust nanny service on the island, in the country, or through the hotel that you can really look through reviews, talk to them ahead of time. But that's what we did. G'day mates from the land down under. Just kidding. I'm right here in South Florida enjoying a true blue Aussie coffee, pastry, and meat pie at my absolute favorite cafe here in South Florida, Bite & Coffee, that's B-Y-T-E and coffee, located in Lighthouse Point. Bite & Coffee is owned and managed by the absolute best couple from down under, Dan and Kat, who moved to South Florida from Melbourne, Australia, with the dream of bringing the incredible Aussie cafe culture to the States. As someone who's lived in Australia for five years, I surely do miss my Aussie flat white coffee, brekkie buns, and sausage rolls. But what I miss more is the sense of community when you step inside your favorite cafe. You know that feeling when you walk in and they already know your order and it's ready to go? Yeah, that kind of feeling. Bite & Coffee brings the good vibes, delicious food and coffee, and the true sense of family. I can bring my little girls for breakfast and know that they are welcomed. If you're living in South Florida or just visiting and passing by, I highly recommend heading over to Bite & Coffee and grabbing a coffee with your breakfast or lunch, or even checking out their incredible wine and beer selection with a delicious charcuterie board at night. It's the perfect spot for a catch up with a friend or a business meeting. As a special gift to listeners, when you order at Bite, be sure to mention Transform with Travel for 10% off your order. So go ahead and check it out. Bite and Coffee located in Lighthouse Point. So the next thing that I can talk about is kind of going back to that schedule and one activity a day is the same way that you wouldn't really drag your kid to an art gallery and then a wine tasting and then some sort of massage or a spa. You wouldn't do that at home. And so you, it, you really have to balance kid-centric activities and parent-centric activities. Also the same way that you're going to burn out at home if you're constantly just going from park to play space to play date to swim lessons, like you need your own space too. And so what we tried to really do was make sure, okay, maybe this morning we're going to go find a really epic park in Chiang Mai in Thailand but then tomorrow, I really want to see a couple of the temples in the city, and the kids would just Layla walked with us everywhere, and Indy would strap into the stroller, and we would do that. And so one day is kid-centric, or maybe one part of the day is kid-centric, and then the other part of the day is parent-centric. And it didn't always work that way. We usually catered towards the kids more than us, just to keep the peace as much as possible. But I would say, making sure that there's a good balance between the two, it's not you know totally skewing all kids all the time, then that kind of helps you feel like you're getting a good sense of the place too. And if your kids just really wouldn't handle going to temples or walking for you know two hours at a time without having a break, which I get, then maybe that's when you use a nanny service or you swap your partner stays back at the hotel kids club while you get to go see XYZ museum that you really want to see. For example, if you went to Vietnam and you went to Ho Chi Minh, you probably wouldn't take your young, young kids to the American War Museum because it's very graphic. So maybe that's something where your partner has seen it before or isn't that interested in going and you get to go on your own and vice versa. When you're finding hotels or resorts or even Airbnbs, being really mindful of how inclusive they are of children. Some hotels are un believably inclusive. They've got incredible kids clubs. They've got nanny services. They've got parks within the hotel. They've got kids pools. If you can see on the website that there are kids in the photos that they are marketing to families, then likely it's going to be a safe space for children. If you see no kids in their photos and it's very sleek and modern, then you probably aren't going to feel as included as a family. You're probably going to get some looks. It's happened to us before. Same thing with Airbnbs. Take a look at, at what's the closest park nearby? Can I walk to a kids play space? Just making sure to see like how inclusive it's going to be for children. Because the more that your kids can feel safe, the better you're going to feel as a parent and the more fun that they're going to have. So we went to a hotel in Copenhagen. It was unbelievable. Koh Phangan is a little island just off of Koh Samui, um, which is the larger island on the east coast of Thailand. And it was stunning, the most beautiful views, but it's literally built on the side of a mountain. There are no kids spaces, there are no kids pools. It is a thousand steps to get everywhere. You have to take a golf cart to your villa because it's so steep, like you literally can't walk it. So, We left. We had five days planned there and we left after three because every single second we were like, oh my God, don't jump on that. Oh my God, watch the step. Oh my God, you're going to fall. Like it was just too chaotic for us with the children. So, again, just looking at the marketing of the hotel, looking at the way that just how inclusive they're going to be of children, the services they offer for children. I will say overall, as a whole, Thailand is an extremely kid-friendly country. People would just come, like waiters or waitresses would just come up and pick Indy up out of her chair and take her to the kitchen. <laughs> and they would just wanted to see Indy and she'd come back with flowers in her hair. And like in general, it's a very, very kid-friendly. But there are also some hotels that cater mostly to adults and you want to make sure that you're not ruining your experience and also ruining other people's experiences. So there's that. Going back to activities again, with oftentimes we build up in our heads what this big excursion is going to be like. And oftentimes that's when our kids have the biggest meltdowns. There's just so much pressure for this to be the best experience ever. I'm sure anyone that's taken their kids to Disney and have spent thousands of dollars to go to Disney only to have their kid complain or cry or meltdown the whole time. You understand what I'm talking about. And so an example I'll give is when we went to Chiang Mai, we went to the elephant nature park, which is one of the more ethical nature parks. You can't feed them. You can't touch them. You can't bathe them. There's a lot of elephant sanctuaries in Thailand. You're going to hear that they are all ethical. You're going to hear that, you know, we, you can't ride these ones. We don't do elephant riding, so it's still ethical. I guess information out there about ethical animal interactions is that you are not touching or interacting with the animal at all. It's more so just observing up close. So things like hugging animals and bathing animals, although it might be done in a, in a quote-unquote nice way or you feel like it is being nice to the animals, the most recent recommendations now by animal welfare experts is just interact. interacting with the animals is a no-go and just observing. So that makes it difficult because... You want to interact with these beautiful animals. And so we went to the Elephant Nature Park, which is where you're just walking along the park. It's free-range elephants, free-range buffaloes, but you're not touching them, you're not feeding them, you're not hugging them. And so we get about 30 minutes into this excursion. And I'll back up. Like We've been telling Layla, oh my God, we're going to see elephants tomorrow. We're so excited. Are you going to see the elephants? Oh my God, this is such a, it's so exciting. And you're going to, I think I told her you're going to hug an elephant. Just, I don't know why. It just came out of my mouth. We got a private car. We drive an hour and a half to this nature park. It's like thousands of people getting organized into their groups. It's already really chaotic. And we start walking and you can't really use a stroller because you're literally in like mud and walking through elephants, you know, elephant poo everywhere. We get about 30 minutes in. We're in the blaring heat. It's just this Thai guy explaining the life of an elephant and why they're here. And and that's really exciting information as an adult. But as a kid that's just standing there in the sun, the novelty of seeing an elephant kind of wears off quick if they're not having any sort of interaction to keep them busy or to keep them engaged. So we realize about half, half an hour in, like there's no way these kids are staying for another hour, just walking and looking and listening. Like they can't even understand this guy. They have no idea what's going on. So we end up leaving early and Layla just completely melts down. She throws herself on the floor. She's ripping stuff from the gift shop. It was a mess. And we just got in the car and we're like, well, that was a bust. We spent all this money to get out here. We were so excited. This is supposed to be like the big you know, adventure of this whole trip. And it was such a bust of a day. And looking back now, I wouldn't say it was a total wash, but it definitely didn't go the way that we planned. And so my advice here is don't hype up big experiences, not just to your kids, but to yourself, because more often than not, it's not going to go the way that you planned and then you're going to get really disappointed. And so I think just let things be as they are and have a backup plan. So we were so, so grateful that we made the decision to hire our own private car rather than go with the tour company's car. Because if we were at the tour company's car, we would have just had to wait and wait and wait and wait for the rest of the group to come back rather than just be like, nope, now's our time to go because our kids are losing it. And we just got in our car and we left. Making accommodations for ourselves ahead of time, kind of knowing that 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 might be something that might happen. This episode is sponsored by Rising Nature Retreats. Are you feeling called to explore the world, tick off your bucket list and make lifelong friends along the way? Are you overwhelmed from planning the logistics of your trips or sick of feeling like you need a vacation from your vacation when you return home? Rising Nature Retreats offers world-class travel experiences infused with daily yoga and wellness personal development workshops, unique adventure and cultural excursions, and holistic local cuisines. Experience the world as you elevate your wellness. Return home feeling rejuvenated and empowered to bring what you learn about other cultures and about yourself back home with you. This is the adventure you've been waiting for. Join us in 2024 to explore Thailand, Portugal, or Greece. Visit risingnatureretreats.com or at Rising Nature Retreats on Instagram and Facebook for all the brochures and information on upcoming international retreats and local classes and events in South Florida. All of that to say, especially with just kids having moments and adults having moments, was that The entire day will not be perfect. Things will go wrong. Kids will lose it. You will lose it. You'll have an argument with your partner. Someone might get sick, whatever. The entire day will not be perfect, and the day will still be perfect. So you cannot look at every single moment as a marker for success. You have to find the micro moments of joy and hold on so tight to those moments because If you let the big feelings, the big meltdowns, the big challenges overshadow those micro moments, you won't think that the trip was worth it. You have to focus on those micro moments of joy rather than a full day of perfection because it's just not, it just doesn't exist when you travel. It doesn't exist at home and it doesn't exist when you travel. So, looking back on the days Sam and I would finally put the kids to bed, we'd be like, oh, oh my God, we made it, we did it. And then we start looking back at pictures and be like, oh my God, that was so funny. Oh my God, look at that picture. Oh, she had so much fun doing this. Like, We were able to just kind of let go of the challenges and lean into the micro moments of joy so that every day we could look back and find something that was a moment of awe and wonder and joy and laughter. Another thing that we was kind of a really big theme of this trip and something that I just touched on a little earlier was, the ability to make pivots and the ability to make changes is very important when not just when you travel with kids but when you travel in general probably just in life that might just be life advice but the ability to notice that something is a little off either within your family unit within your fam- within your accommodations within the general vibe of what's happening on your trip being able to notice that something's off and then being able to make that pivot so that things go in the direction that you want it to go in Really understanding what's the general feeling that I want my family to have throughout this trip and then protecting that at all costs. So I mentioned before how we were in Copenhagen. We had five nights booked there within like the first night. We were like, this is not this is not the place for our family. It's beautiful. It's lovely. If we were by ourselves having a grand old holiday, just adults only, this would be the place that we would go but it's just not going to be appropriate for our family for the next five days. I don't want to be frazzled and stressed about one of my kids getting hurt. They don't want me being on their ass the whole time about every little thing that they're doing. And so we were just like, you know what? Let's go back to Kosamui. We had an amazing, amazing time in Kosamui, which was actually a really big surprise. Last time that we'd been to Kosamui in 2015, I did not like it. We kind of stayed in a really touristy area. It had this weird sewage smell. It was super overcrowded. But this time we stayed at a beautiful resort, stunning beach, amazing views, great for kids and I was like, "Wow, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the whole trip." So it totally took me by surprise. So after one night in Copenhagen, we looked up what would it be like to just go back to Koh Samui a little a couple days early and tack on a couple extra nights to the I think we had one night booked in Kosamui so that we could make a flight the next day. So we said, okay, instead of one night in Kosamui, let's go do three nights in Kosamui. And so we did. We canceled, we, we ate the cost of the three nights that we didn't stay in Copenhagen. The transfer was included already with the hotel. So that was fine going inter island. And then we tacked on two extra nights to our hotel. So yeah, there was a bit of a cost there that was a sunk cost. But over, that, that was hands down, as soon as we made that decision, as soon as we said, book the hotel and cancel the current hotel, there was this wave of relief, like that was the best decision that we could have made. And so of course, there are financial limitations to be able to pivot as often or as much as you want. But you have to also c- keep into consideration what's the most important part of this trip and if you're feeling like super stressed about something or it's just not safe for your children or you're not getting a generally good vibe from where you are, sometimes those sunk costs are more important than just trying to stick it out and and see what happens because it's just not going to be a good situation for everyone. So being able to make pivots early and often. I can't even tell you how many times we pivoted throughout this trip and just changed One of the examples I can also think of was our flight from L.A. back to Florida was supposed to be at 1030 in the morning. And we got in from Singapore the night before. We were staying at a hotel in L.A. and our girls were still like still on Asia time. Indy woke up at 1 a.m on that morning of the flight that was supposed to be 10.30. And then Layla woke up at 2.30 and I was like, what are we supposed to do? Just sit in this hotel for seven hours before we're ready for this flight? So we looked online, saw that JetBlue had a 6.30 a.m. flight instead of a 10.30 a.m. flight. We were all up and ready to go because we were still on Asia time. I called JetBlue. Luckily, I have status with JetBlue. And they switched our flight and we off we went. And We got home four hours earlier. So it's just sometimes like... Thinking a little bit outside of the box and being okay with making changes and being okay with pivoting. I think that's one of our superpowers as a family, as a traveling family, is making pivots and being okay to do that and not seeing it as like quitting or failing or whatever. Um, So those are kind of like the overall big themes of what we learned. I'm going to give some really small like logistical tips or just like little things to think about. When you're traveling with kids. So number one is teach your kids the language and let them practice it. So one of the most fun things that we had was Layla really learning a lot of Thai. Kids' brains are so malleable and they're like sponges and they want to learn. So without fail, like Layla would say sawadika Ka to everyone to say hello. She knew kapkun ka to say thank you. She can count from one to ten in Thai. She would say Sabai Sabai, which is just like chill out, relax, all good. Like she's still saying all these terms a month later. It's so important to just teach them even the littlest parts of the language that you can because it just adds to their experience. The, the locals just love it because it just shows that you're not there to just take as much as you can. You're also trying to teach them the language and teach them the culture. The next one would be picky eating. <laughs> so I know that's a big one, picky eating. Our kids are not picky eaters at all. And for some reason, I think just like the stress of moving around a lot, which I'll talk about in a little bit, just made them go into their shells of comfort when it came to food or like the only thing that they could control is what they put into their mouth. So they just refused to eat food. Like they eat fried rice and curry at home and they refused to eat fried rice and curry by like week two of the trip. So they ate a lot of chicken nuggets and fries and pizza and pasta. And so... I could tell that that was starting to affect their mood. I could definitely felt, I could just tell it was affecting their personality and their mood and and just like, you know, if you eat crap food constantly, you're gonna feel crap too. So you don't see a lot of sides of vegetables or you don't see a lot of options for healthier sides or healthier foods when you're in Thailand. It's either like Thai food, which is generally healthy or it's Western food, which is not. It's like the fries and the chicken nuggets and everything is fried. We were at a restaurant one time and, and this was like week three of them not eating any any vegetables, anything fresh. So I just tur- I just asked the waiter, I'm like, look, I know it's not on the menu, but can you just bring out raw carrots? And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, can you just like cut up some raw carrots and bring it out? because <laughs> my kids will eat raw carrots. And he did. I don't know. I can't remember what he charged me for it. But like, if you don't see something on the menu, if you're getting to that stage where your kid's really not eating anything other than chicken nuggets and french fries, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to just be like, "Hey, do you have yogurt? I, like I know it's nine p m and it's dinner time, but do you have a yogurt that I could give to my kid?" And you you never know, like they might just be able to do that for you. And again, not being with the theme of not being afraid to ask, almost every hotel we went to. We would ask for bed rails, like toddler rails for a bed so they don't fall out. And like 90% of the time they figured it out and got it for us, even though that's not part of their like general servicing. So don't be afraid to ask for what you need when you're to make you feel safe and your kid feel safe. I mentioned that our kids kind of went into this shell of comfort with picky eating when we were moving around. And so I think one of the other things I would say is we moved around a lot. We took 10 flights in five weeks. Almost every four to five days, we were in a different hotel. And while that could be something that adults can handle, I just don't think our kids at this age were handling that very well. Every night in a new hotel, we knew Indy was not going to sleep. And it just was... I think, we, I think the length of time we were away wasn't a problem, but I think moving around as much as we did, did was was a little bit of a problem. So I would recommend if you're going on a long-term trip, see if you can find like a base camp, like a home. Say, hey, I want to go to Portugal, so we're going to set up base camp in XYZ space and then just do maybe weekend trips or day trips here and there. And with that, it just will help you not have to pack and unpack, pack and unpack, pack and unpack like we did. <laughs> I think I even started crying like week three and a half. <laughs> week three or four, I was like, I can't unpack anymore. I can't do this again. <laughs> so just something to think about when you are planning a longer term trip is how many times you're moving, how many places you're moving to, because that can be really just dis- dysregulating for your child as well. And with the packing and unpacking is don't pack too much. I know it's easier said than done, but you do not need half the stuff that you think you need. There are always laundry services available. Hotel laundry services, super expensive, avoid. But if you just walk like 10 minutes outside of your hotel, I promise you there's a laundry service that's going to be super cheap somewhere. Even in Ireland, in the central part of Temple Bar in Dublin, I found a super cheap laundry service. A lot of Airbnbs you can find with washing washers and dryers as well don't pack too much. Don't bring too many toys. Your kids will be fine. Our kids had the same like four toys for five weeks and we picked up stuff along the way and we left stuff with hotel staff as we moved. Like don't bring too much because it just adds to the chaos of trying to pack and unpack and find things and just really do your best to see how minimal you can do when you travel. And I promise you, you're going to be surprised with what you can do with so little. And if you don't, if you need something like you are, Like, shoot, I can't believe I forgot this. I promise you, you'll be able to find it somewhere. The very, very last thing that I'll talk about, and I'm sure I'm forgetting things, and when I have Sam come on the podcast, he's gonna be like, he'll be super candid about it all, so I'm sure I'm forgetting some things, but the number, 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 number one thing I can say is get into the practice of restarting your day, resetting as many times as it takes even if it seems like you're back to back to back, resetting, 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 you got to do it. So when you travel with kids, there are going to be moments where things build up, not just between your kids, between you and your partner, between you and your kid, between someone who might be a little rude to you on the street. And, you know, like things like tension builds when you travel because you're out of your comfort zone and it takes a lot of energy to keep your cool when you're. In this kind of scenario, like a pressure cooker of stress, it's worth it, (laughs) but it is. It can be a pressure cooker of stress. We got into the practice of resetting our day. And what that means is when things got a little crazy, one of our kids is being just a little monster, or I'm being a monster, or we're yelling at each other or something, we would just look at each other and one of us would say, Restart. Like literally restart, that's it. And we would either play shake your sillies out from the wiggles on our phone, or we would literally just like shake, shake, jump, 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 let it all out. And then we would take a deep breath and we literally just restart our day as if like the last three hours didn't happen. Restart, we're done, move on. And then we would just move on to the next part of our day. And I swear some days we restarted like six, seven, eight times (laughs) because some days you just need it. But it's such a good way of being like, nope, nip this in the bud, shake it out, like physically shake this out of our bodies. And our kids loved it because they love that song. They love Shake Your Sillies Out. We'd shake it out of our bodies and we would move on with a fresh sense of renewal. And that is something that had saved us as a practice, as a philosophy. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's 9 p.m. Restart your day. Restarting. And I promise you that is what is going to help you move through more challenging moments when you travel. And it's fun for your kids too. They get to see you notice, hey, I'm getting a little dysregulated right now. I think I need to restart. And it's something that really helped us as a family. Be able to move through more of the challenging moments, be able to regulate together. And we didn't do this perfectly. These five weeks were tough. And amazing and challenging and full of laughter and full of tears. <laughs> but for us, just for Sam and I, it is so life-giving to be able to come out the other side of these challenges and be able to know that we've done it. I, I say this time and time again, but your child will have a meltdown in the middle of a grocery store, and they're going to have a meltdown in the middle of a beach in Thailand. And I would prefer to be on the beach in Thailand than be in a grocery store. So it's like, you might as well do it with a view. You'll see that a lot on Instagram. The parenting is hard no matter where you are. You might as well do it with a view. The skills that I know that Layla, my oldest, has picked up just from this trip alone, she got so good at adapting. Like any time we got into a car, a ferry, or an airplane, she would say, "Where are we going to next?" <laughs> she was just excited to see what was next. We're at the very beginning of the trip. We were in the same hotel in Malaysia for a week, so she got very comfortable with her bed. She got very comfortable with you know the routine and where we go. And when we left and we went to the next hotel in Thailand, she was she was very upset. Where's my bed? Where, where's this? Where's that? And so by the end of the trip, she was like, where are we going to? I'm excited. And so that to me was like, wow, just in five weeks, she went from needing every single creature comfort to being excited about what came next. And so that's just like such a small snippet of the way in which even though she's not going to remember every single detail of that trip, she has been changed by that trip. And it's just so worth it to me to be able to say that we've done it together as a family. So you don't have to go to Thailand to get these experiences or be able to put any of these lessons into practice. You can go to the next state. You can go to the Caribbean. You can take a five-day camping trip in the national parks, like just something that's out of your comfort zone, going to make you and your family stronger, be able to make your communication styles with your partner stronger, be able to learn so much about yourself as a parent, as a person, and be able to see your kids flourish and thrive. I'm just so excited for everyone being able to take this this next step in their travels in 2024, please reach out to me if you have any questions at all. And this is your reminder to get out there and keep on exploring. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Transform with Travel podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode of inspiration, adventure, and exploration. If you felt inspired by this episode, please rate and review in whatever streaming app you're listening from. This allows us to spread the word even more and continue to serve up weekly doses of adventure. As always, we'd love if you could share the episode with someone in your life who you think will benefit from this conversation. Thanks so much for listening. This is your reminder to get out there and keep on exploring.